0: Welcome back to the Visionary Life Podcast. This is episode four. Before we get into this week's visionary guest, I'd love to reflect a bit on last week's episode with Cheryl and also give you some line of sight on what's coming up. Cheryl Torrance, aka The Dancing Chef, did you guys have a chance to tune into her episode? Did you check out her Instagram? (laughs) I'm really honored to have featured Cheryl as our first visionary guest, and I hope you took away some key lessons from the episode. Everything from how to offer top-notch customer service using the wow factor to being rich with self-love. So much of what we discussed are things I've implemented in my life already. For example, I have an essential oils business and, you know, I had a girl purchase oils from me last week and it's super easy to just make a sale and leave your customer to kind of figure out the rest and enjoy the product at their own pace. But I really wanted to bring the wow factor into her journey. And so what I did was I offered this one-on-one consultation with me and invited her to an upcoming workshop. And I put together a unique little resource list that addressed her specific health concerns. And she was completely enthralled and is already planning out her next three months of, you know, oil therapy, basically. And she could very well turn into a lifelong customer for me because of how valued she said she felt and taken care of. And... It really is just those little touches that they don't take me very long as the business owner, but for her, it meant the world to have someone who really provided her with more than just a sales transaction. So at the time this podcast launches, I am actually in Florida soaking up some sunshine with my mom and my aunt. I'm also taking a bit of a breather because I recorded seven interviews with seven visionary people in the last seven days. So it was heavy, (laughs) but really, really fun. So especially because I'm learning the ropes and everything seems to take a little bit longer just to get it up and going. uh, That's why I'm really excited to just have a few days to relax and recover. And part of my mission for 2018 was to travel as much as possible It's something that's always been important to myself and to my fiance Dave, and this year I just want to reap all the benefits of working remotely. So this is my first trip of 2018 with many more to come. I think I am actually traveling almost every month this year which is really exciting because adventure is what lights up my soul and it's a huge part of living my visionary life is creating space for monthly travel. So again, while I'm here, I'm charging my batteries and I'm getting ready to launch the next round of coaching for visionaries like yourself that are looking to build a wellness business. So this coaching is 100% free for any of the my doTERRA team, but it's also available to anyone. And it takes us through, you know, how to find your vision and your why for your business and your social media strategy, coming up with your target market and allocating enough time to each piece of your business. So if this sounds at all interesting to you, I would love for you to check out www.kelseyriddle.com portfolio. And then just click on the Visionary Business Training. Our next round is actually starting up at the beginning of March. So today on the podcast, I am chatting with Darielle Teitelbaum. Darielle is a corporate lawyer and a spiritual one, which we chat lots about. And she's the founder of AWE Legal, which stands for Athletes, Wellness Professionals, and Entrepreneurs. It's a boutique law firm based in Toronto and online. Awe provides a unique legal service where suits are not required. She actually encourages people to dress down a little bit. So it's a totally new and flexible approach to lawyering, one that matches your unique business style while maintaining you know, a high level and high standard of legal practice and of professionalism. I really loved this conversation with Darielle. Her and I met about one year ago through the gym that we both teach at. And so shout out to Cycle in downtown Toronto. And I've totally been in awe, literally in awe, that's her business name, maybe a bad pun, but of her business since I met her. So in this conversation, we chat about her career evolution from working tirelessly at a criminal defense firm to her travels where she was enlightened about her becoming a spiritual lawyer, and we also chat about things that every influencer or ambassador should consider before signing on with a brand. I love how Dariel is challenging the traditional paradigm of what we know to be a lawyer and instead she's paving her own visionary path using her skills and infusing her passion for wellness into all she does she's so approachable knowledgeable and i know you're going to learn a lot from her so don't forget to leave a rating and review join the visionary life facebook community and i will chat with you at the end of the episode Welcome to the show, Darielle. Thank you for being here. You are one of my first 10 guests on my podcast, so I appreciate you saying yes and <laughs> diving into this adventure with me. Have you done a podcast before? I haven't done a podcast, but I've done a video interview. So okay. this is
1: actually less intimidating. <laughs> Much less intimidating. <laughs> no no one video. Gets,
0: no one can see us on the couch. Sure. Yeah. Yes, and that's what we are. We're at Darielle's condo right now, so she was grateful enough to invite me over, and yeah, as you know, I record these interviews in person. I just find that a lot can get lost over Skype audio, and I've done that being on other people's podcasts, and one thing that I really appreciate is just feeling like whoever's listening to this is catching up with us over coffee and... You know, that's exactly what we're doing now, so just really real conversation, and if we go off on tangents, that's fine, but yeah, so thank you for being here.
1: It's a pleasure, Gals. I'm so happy to be part of this.
0: Amazing. And yeah, I've been admiring your business and your venture from afar, and for context, Darielle and I know each other working at the same indoor cycling studio, and that's here in Toronto. And, um, yeah, we're both kind of on this wellness journey, and I see your journey very similar to mine in the sense that you are building something that's maybe a little bit different than the normal, than what everyone else is doing. And that's truly what I consider to be visionary, and that's really the concept of this podcast. So. Let's dive right in. I want to start off with maybe you, since you are a lawyer, saying some sort of disclaimer because I'm sure we'll dive into the business that you have created and, you know, just touching on what it is that you do and the advice that you offer your clients. Is there anything that you need to disclaim (laughs) before we dive in? This This is like serious talk. This
1: may be the worst way to introduce (laughs) myself because I'm trying not to be this corporate suit, but it is important because... Yes, as Kelsey said, I'm a lawyer, we're going to chat law, we're going to chat business, potentially examples, and just so all of you listening know, um, I'm not providing any legal advice. This is just education, purely sharing my story, sharing some knowledge, and if something comes up that's an aha moment for you, I encourage you to contact your local lawyer, feel free to contact me, Um, I'm sure Kelsey will share some of my contact information, but yeah, so this is just purely um, educational and not legal advice. Disclaimer over.
0: <laughs> okay, glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Now let's go completely to the opposite end because <laughs> I was diving into your blog and reading a lot of your past posts and something really caught my eye, which I've been lately like just more fascinated with spirituality and how that can come into people's businesses And I love that more people are embracing that as the new normal. It's not like this woo-woo thing that we're scared of to express our spirituality and maybe our journey into that. So I read on your blog that you wrote that you once met a woman while traveling in Indonesia who told you that you were never going to be a traditional lawyer, but a spiritual one. And you said, I love that and I live that. So can we talk about that? Can you set the stage of who said yeah. that, when it happened, and what the aha moment was yes, there? Yes,
1: absolutely. And I love that you read that and pulled that <laughs> nugget because it's definitely something true to me, but not but something people would probably skim over. So to set the backstory, most of my aha moments have come traveling. I'm pure travel junkie and I love just getting lost, going to places, not planning because most of my life is about planning. So um, for this particular trip, I was actually teaching English in South Korea and then from there set off on this adventure to Southeast Asia. and I met up with a friend in Indonesia, which was my first country post leaving Korea. Um, and in Korea is when I got my law school acceptances and I really struggled over the decision I didn't know if it was for me before going. I was doing Strategy at a couple great ad agencies in Toronto. I didn't know if I'd come back to that or if I should do law school I decided to go because as my mother says education is never a waste and um, Little did I know what a journey that would be. No regrets. But um, so I was struggling with that for sure. And then we were in Bali and we met this Balinese woman who was just, you know, when someone just walks into a room and just has an aura. She was a holistic nutritionist. She practiced Mm -hmm. yoga. But through friends of her friends, I don't even remember now how we met. I think some guys we had met traveling knew her, and we all connected, and then her and I just connected, and we went for these long walks mm-hmm. um, in the jungle behind her bungalow, and I had kind of, she could pick up that I was struggling with a decision, and I kind of opened up to her, and she just kind of held my hand and said, I don't worry like the world needs you you will be a lawyer but not in the traditional sense in the spiritual sense and I think what she meant by that was that I would be using my spirit my personality my values and infuse the work that I do with those elements and often You know, I can say now that those are the things that my clients appreciate, right? It's not the killer contract, it's the care, it's the diligence, it's the honesty that goes into the work. Um, And when she said it, to be honest, I didn't really know how that would translate, but it was Mm -hmm. just so comforting to know that there was maybe some other molds that I would fit or create, and it turns out I had to create it, but Mm -hmm. um, that there were options and people needed it, and people, not everyone, but people would appreciate it so so then you went to law school after that so I landed literally landed (laughs) next week law school and had not a chance to regret or (laughs) think about the
0: decision yeah so here's my question then because I've had a lot of friends go through law school and it doesn't seem like there's any chance for spiritual components or for you to express that in your schooling What was that like for you, knowing that you wanted to go on maybe a different path, but being in a conventional type schooling mold?
1: Definitely. I mean, I think there's two parts to it. To be completely honest, I almost dropped out of law school twice. Mm -hmm. I just thought, you know, this is just not for me. Then again, I have never been more stimulated intellectually in my life. I met a core group of people who to this day are my truest of friends Granted, in all of law school, I probably had five friends, but it was like finding your tribe, your people, and sticking with them. And obviously, my best friend was on track to be an Olympian, so an athlete. Um, Another friend who came from the advertising world. Another friend who was a staunch environmentalist. Um, So they were also outliers, I'd say, in law school. And we just kind of stuck together. And that being said, law school was wonderful. And I was part of Um, the play or performance, and I'm a dancer, so I got to dance and act, and Mm -hmm. there were creative outlets, for sure. There was great counseling, they had yoga Wednesday afternoons, I believe, so I went to Osgoode. They really did try and incorporate that stuff, but it's hard to escape just the nature of type A, 200 type A people crammed in a room fighting, and everything's based on a curve, based on recruitments, Um, so... I think you just need to carve out that space for yourself, but it's not easy, and a lot of people feel it, and you know, I know a lot of people who saw the counselors there, um, mm-hmm. took breaks from it. Um, it's not an easy journey, and I think any professional school has those same pressures and are now incorporating things for mental health, for other mm-hmm. resources for the students, so... Like I said, it was the best thing I ever did, but it definitely was a challenge mm-hmm. to yeah.
0: like, keep my own spirit out. No, <laughs> no for kidding. Sure. Not <laughs> graduate and totally forget what yeah. you wanted to do with oh, it. Oh, yeah. I was like, why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, And also a good reminder that you can find tribe wherever you are, no yeah. matter what the situation, like there will always be someone who you can connect with Yes, and it's really important for anyone feeling like they don't have that. Maybe it's at their workplace or whatever. There are people, it's just a matter of like, you know, yeah. being patient enough to find them and then making an effort to like nurture those friendships 100%. and so that you don't feel alone in whatever it is that you're doing. <laughs> So, okay, before we dive into your business venture and dig more into what it is that you do, I'd love to kind of just rewind a bit to the role that travel plays in your life. So, anyone who kind of browses your website or your Instagram can see that you've been a lot of places and clearly that is like a core... Part of who you are. And so I want to know what set you off on this traveling path in the first place.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yes, travel is huge. Even as we sat down, I told Kelsey, these mugs are from Bolivia. Everything in my house has a story. Yeah, and, and they're the cutest mugs <laughs> that we're <sitting>
0: coffee from. <laughs>
1: um, And I just want to say, too, that I totally appreciate what a privilege it is to travel. And, you know, you don't have to do it on a high budget. I'm a backpacker. I went to Korea to save money to travel. Every trip I've done, I've done on my own and on a budget, you know. And so staying in hostels, nothing fancy. And it's not for everyone. But, you know, if that's what's deterring you from traveling, I would encourage you to find a way to make it happen. You know, do a work share or something like that to to just connect because meeting other people from other cultures has just opened my eyes. Every time I felt stuck, you meet someone in their 40s who's an entrepreneur, who's created some sort of empire and as Kelsey said, you know, all the photography on my website are from people I met traveling who were oh, photographers. Cool. Yeah, and who graciously shared photos for me with me. Um and so, yeah, I think I've always traveled because my parents are South African, so from a young age, I was always taking these ridiculously long flights, going to South Africa, and just seeing this other part of the world. They really made sure that although we were visiting families, we went to Soweto, we went to slums, we saw I know other the way other people live, and so it was just, like people say, the travel bug from going, mm-hmm. seeing a little bit of Africa. I, was, I would meet someone who's been to Asia, and most recently, I did... Um, a lot of Central and South America. And so I think it's just that natural curiosity that I have mm-hmm. in people in life and cultures. And it's not always a pretty experience, but the, that's the reward. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's hugely important to me. And most of my connections and friendships have come from trips.
0: Yeah. 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 It's a different kind of friendship. So, were you born here? I was born here. Yeah. Okay. Awesome so let's do a few hot seat questions about traveling because i'm sure we could talk about this the whole podcast (laughs) and i would love to share adventures with you because that's something i love too and um on your adventure series i'll come back yes your travel (laughs) i'll do a spin-off visionary adventures (laughs) i love it already so a couple quick fires because i do want to hear more about this but what is the best or your favorite place that you've been
1: That's such a hard question. I really can't answer that, honestly, because I think Mm -hmm. so much of traveling is who you're with, what was happening, but just because it's pretty fresh in my mind, South America, um, I would have to say Colombia right now is like, just has everything. Desert, rainforest, hiking, beach. Amazing. Amazing people, amazing food, very cheap, and no, I never felt unsafe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. Yeah, I'm sure you get that question a lot. Oh, is it say safe? You're like, no. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, um, any major life lessons you feel like you learned while traveling? Tens, Tons. Honestly, tons. I remember once I was hiking, and I,
1: I was alone for this portion of my travels, though I was never really alone, and I met this man from Ecuador who lived in the States, and we hiked in Patagonia together, and a lot of my awesome photography is from him, because he's this mm. insane photographer, and... Um, I just remember asking a lot of entrepreneurial questions to him and I had been thinking about my journey and he just gave me such great advice and you know, he was a bit older and yeah, I think as you go, you just always meet people who will just give you those nuggets, even that line of the Balinese woman that I don't exactly know how it's relevant, but I know there'll be a moment where it yeah. clicks that I'm
0: like, oh, Juliana said that mm-hmm. and it's happened or whatever. yeah. Very, very neat. Um, Are there any adventures in your future or places that you would love to put in your future adventures? (laughs) It's funny that you ask because I've
1: been, which is so not like me, pretty low-key about this. But actually on Friday night, which is why we squeeze this in now... Saturday morning. I'm going to Mexico for a week, but not to the beach on Cancun. I'm going to the Chiapas region um, with a group in Toronto, a running group, and I'm actually going trail running in the mountains. (gasps) Wow. (laughs) And I'm a runner, but I've never trail run. I don't know anyone going. I just kind of on a whim was craving that adventure. Mm -hmm. I'm starting a business. I can't afford to go for months on end on a big epic adventure, but... This, I saw it and it was just that gut feeling, like, yep, this is it. I'm going and I have no idea what to expect and I'm so excited. And then the long-term plan, I would love to go to Brazil and spend some time there. I'm dying to go to Nepal, so, you know, my list is pretty long, but yeah for the moment,
0: I'm pretty uh, stoked to be going to Mexico soon. And so I feel as though, so a lot of people... They come to me saying, How do you make travel work in your life? and I can't afford that, or I don't have time for this. So, for someone who, like yourself, is craving some sort of adventure, but also you know has a place to live and maybe a family or um a job or you know their own business to hold down, how would you communicate to them that like you can make it happen? or do you have any advice for someone who would hear? your adventure to Mexico and go, I want to do that.
1: I think my advice is always like,
0: just do it. Right.
1: (laughs) You will make it work, but I completely understand the planning aspect, which is why I always go back even with my clients to what is your fear? So is it a money thing? Is it a timing thing? What's the real issue? Identify that and then you can kind of work backwards to carve out the space. So no, I can't go for a month. My business is just taking off and I don't want to leave my clients high and dry. But I need to do self-care and nurture my own spirit, so a week seems reasonable. Um, let me look into a couple of retreats and, you know, compare prices. And yes, it's not easy. You have to do your homework, but mm-hmm. um, people appreciate that you need a vacation, and you can carve out a week. Everybody can. And life will go on you know we're not yeah. saving lives here um yes, so. that is
0: true yeah yeah everything will be the same when you get back I've learned that Yeah. <laughs> nothing changes sadly, yeah, sadly. Yeah. yeah even if you go away for a couple months <laughs> okay so that's amazing I'd love to chat again about your travels and all the things that you've done in this world but Definitely. we'll move on because I do want to talk more about your business and It's called Awe Legal, so A W E. And could you just take us into maybe pre launching your business? What was the idea behind it, and why did you want to start your own business? So,
1: before going on this epic adventure to South America, I was working at a criminal defense law firm for a year.
0: Okay. Very different,
1: the most high intensity job you can imagine. The best training I could have ever received. I mean, I was in court every day. I was drafting. I had two tri- two jury trials. You know what I mean? It was just, none of my friends were doing that. They were stuck behind a desk and it was awesome. I was working nonstop. I had no life besides squeezing in a gym session, maybe. Does that mean like 12 hour days, less, more? Oh, I was there from like nine to midnight for sure. Oh Plus, <laughs> we were open Sundays.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah. my jaw just dropped.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the saving grace was that in the building, there was like this puny little gym in the basement that my boss was like, whenever you need to go, go. So my routine would be, you know, at five or six o'clock, I would hop on the treadmill and work out for about an hour. There was a shower there, and then I'd come back upstairs and work till about midnight. Yeah, it was crazy. And, you know, driving to different prisons and courthouses and all the rest. So... It was very stimulating also, but just I had to take a pause on a lifestyle perspective and realize this was never going to work, especially if I wanted a family and, you know, a relationship. So I kind of left on great terms, told them I wanted to go traveling, did my thing. And to be completely honest with you, while traveling... And this is what I was talking to my friend about in Patagonia. It was again, same thing. Do I go back to law? Do I not go back to law? I know it's, a, I'm good at it. It's a passion and it really ticks a lot of my intellectual boxes, but I'm not willing to sacrifice me. And I really felt that while working there, I had my lawyer hat and then I had my Darielle hat. And I hated having to like mm-hmm. hide one or, you know, just juggle both, you know wearing a suit being you know all these things so I kind of came back from traveling very open applying to you know back to advertising jobs writing jobs policy jobs I was always into um, interested in intellectual property so just different kind of things and then I ended up doing some contract work doing business law um, and realized that wow like I never actually practiced this and it's all the skills of writing and a little bit negotiating and all of these skills still were relevant um and then after doing some contract work I just realized I had a vision for myself that was kind of different to what I was doing and I would never really get anywhere if I was doing it for someone else and I needed to create something on my own and I knew it was something good because I was getting amazing feedback but I just needed the time to kind of Solidify what that would look like. So, so yeah, I just practiced for a little bit under my name because for lawyers we can do that. Okay. Um, so, before I branded it or really created what I is right now, today, I don't know what it will be in five years from now, but um, I really took the time. It was hard because I was excited and I wanted to just launch it, but it took me a good three months, I'd say, to really. Hone in on the website, the messaging, mm-hmm. everything that I wanted for it. And I really just took my authenticity. So what are my passions? Who do I want to help? Um, where am I? You know, and ultimately it all came down to entrepreneur. Like I'm an entrepreneur. I am an athlete. I am an artist. I'm creative. I understand the struggles of starting a business. Mm-hmm. I am starting a business. So It really just kind of started from there but I have to tell you there was no detailed business plan like huge strategy I was just doing the work and then Mm -hmm. all of that kind of came and obviously my background in media and advertising and stuff helped me with the branding and vision piece but that's that's how it started Mm -hmm.
0: yeah I think that's like an important message for people to hear because my business started the same way, it wasn't that I like spent six months in confinement coming up with a business plan, building a website, getting all this content for social media, and then it's like, ta-da, it came together. Like, And for anyone aspiring to start a business too, it's just one step at a time. Like, It's literally practicing that slight edge, one thing a day. And it's gonna evolve. Like you said, you were practicing under your name and then all of a sudden it was like, the message became clear and then you're like, oh, this is actually all legal. And, yeah. so, and just not being married to one idea because yeah. it is gonna
1: change and not being so hard on yourself but also just, I always say, and everything I've done, and this is was not my nature before but it's actually becoming a habit, I just do. Mm-hmm. Obviously I don't put myself at risk financially, physically, anything like that. But if you have an idea, It seems like it could work. Just do it. Just try it. Because there's never going to be the right time. You're never going to have enough money. You're never going to have enough followers
0: or whatever your hesitation is. Yeah. And those are just blocks to actually doing, taking action, right? And putting your ideas into the world. So that's awesome. And another thing that you mentioned, which I feel like is a very important of this Visionary Life podcast and the message that... I'm sharing is that it's not true for everybody, but I think that slowly gone are the days of people working jobs where they are one person in their job and then there's someone else outside of their job. And I find that more and more people are wanting to just marry the two. And whether that's infusing a bit of their lifestyle into their work, maybe that's asking their manager if there can be like a once weekly yoga class. Or you know just expressing yourself more freely and and sharing what you're passionate about at your job but I think it's important that um, kind of speak more to this because a lot of people do go into their job and they act a certain way and they feel as though yeah there's someone in their 9 to 5 and then outside of that they're completely different but now more than ever it's so possible to marry the two and I completely see that in what you've created because you've obviously built a business based on what you're passionate about and what you're good at and not saying that everyone needs to start a company about what they're passionate about but I think there are always ways to infuse more of what you love into your day to day and to not be afraid to let's start shifting the normal from after work drinks every day, not that that's bad, like we love to get social but Maybe you can just suggest something different that more aligns with who you are outside of that. So,
1: 100%. And I think spiritually, that's what leads to internal discomfort, anxiety. It's this pretending, it's this shuffling between who I am. And if you even find someone at work who you are authentically connected to and you can chat to, and even if it's dressing down one day, I mean, that gives people a lot of freedom to just be, oh, I can come in casual Mm -hmm. on Fridays. I mean, it sounds like a little thing, but some people really express themselves through their clothing or that's just one small example. And that's not to say there is, there shouldn't be a level of professionalism. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't, you know, hang out with my clients and act all, you know, unprofessional and doing whatever. Uh, I can't even think of an example, but there can be professionalism And you can still be authentic to you, is what I'm saying. You can still be a good person, you can be kind, you can be soft. And I feel like in the professional world, there's this whole masculine energy of like, if you're gonna be respected and taken seriously, you need to wear a suit, you need to, you know, draw the line. It's all this harsh, you know, kind of language. And that just is not true, especially now. There's this huge wave of, you know, feminine energy, I would call it, because it's not just women, but. Um, and I think that, for at least in the very corporate world, was it was you, you can't be so female, you know. And I felt that in the law world, um, and that's just simply it shouldn't be the case, you know. Um, you can be a really effective litigator, negotiator, and you don't have to be stomping your feet with like fumes coming out of your ears. I yeah. saw lawyers like that, and it's just horrible. I would never want that reputation. So. Yeah, I think it's just being true to your spirit. Not necessarily every aspect is going to be you. You're not going to be in your pajamas at work. But um, finding a way to infuse professionalism
0: with who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the word that comes to mind, a lot of my mentors and business coaches teach on the concept of alignment and they say that the more you get into alignment whether that's just like express ex- expressing yourself through like the clothes that you're wearing or speaking your real message instead of filtering it or you know just sharing your raw truths like the more you can get into alim- in alignment with who you are like, your business is just gonna grow that much bigger because people will start to connect with you and I think... And
1: respect you, yeah.
0: Yeah, a lot of people live out of alignment because they don't even know. They dedicate their life to working for someone else and then they're doing things in the evening that they don't actually wanna do but they have to and they're so out of alignment that they actually don't know what they're here to do or the message they're here to share, so... I actually have a really good anecdote
1: story about that. So when I was working at my firm, it was like the heat of the trial And it was late, it was probably 1 a.m. And my boss, I had come down to give her some files and she wanted something else. And I just could feel in my body like I was gonna snap and I had to wake up the next morning and drive to the courthouse. And I just, you know, said to her, I'm sorry, but I need to go to sleep. I need sleep to function properly and I can't be here anymore. And I could see she was upset, obviously, and I didn't wanna upset her, but it was that moment of self care and Something I would have dreaded doing. You know, I am, I think, a pleaser. A lot of us are, but I just couldn't and I left and I was kind of shocked at myself. And I also have a coach that I talked to and I told him the story and he like gave me a standing ovation. He was like, that's insane. (laughs) And then when I left and she gave me my review, she said to me, I was so impressed that you, I know at the time I was tired and cranky, but I wish I had a little bit of you that I could stand up and say that because I get so in it and, you know, I don't see my family as much and, you know, I totally respected that. And it was just this moment where I was thinking, you know, my biggest fear became this asset where she kind of looked at me in a very, you know, wow, I wish I could have said that kind of thing. And so I remind myself of that all the time, you know? Cool.
0: Okay, so I don't think we've still mentioned what does AWE Legal even stand for. <laughs> so let's backtrack. So for people who aren't familiar with your business, um, let's share what it what it is and the services. Some of the services you offer. <laughs> that would be helpful. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mentioned it so, in the intro. We're not sure.
1: <laughs> in the so legally speaking, I offer I practice business law and intellectual property. The awe comes from it is an acronym, but also has the plan words of awe and being in awe of other people, of people doing great things, being awesome. So I my main focus areas are athletes, um, wellness professionals, and entrepreneurs. And I work with artists, novelists, any entrepreneur, really, you know, restaurateurs, anyone starting a business. Um, but as Kelsey knows since my passion is fitness and um, being active, yoga, cycling, running, um, I tend to work a lot with studios, with gyms, with personal trainers, um, both those starting out and also existing ones. So, some of the services, if you go to my website, you can see under niche, I really try to be pretty clear laying out who may be interested in the service. So, like I said, any entrepreneur, I could help you with your incorporation with your hiring, so your contracts or your employment agreements, any intellectual property that you may need, service agreements, vendor agreements, things like that. Um, And then some clients are wellness coaches. So I recently, I'm working with a client who's launching an online program and she's a coach and a nutritionist and, you know, needs help with the documents and waivers and stuff like that, personal trainers, studios, Like I said, athletes, people, even a a hot topic now, influencers and bloggers. So I help with sponsorship agreements, partnerships,
0: and
1: what else? I'm sure there's more. (laughs) Browse the website.
0: I definitely want to dive into a couple of those deeper, but I do have a question: Does every athlete, wellness entrepreneur, whoever, need to consult a lawyer? I know that's a big question.
1: (laughs) I would say yes, and that's and it doesn't have to be me, but yes you're anyone starting a business I mean I need to put certain things in place you need to protect yourself this isn't about anything other than you you know you want to protect yourself especially if you're in an industry that has any sort of risk that you're giving any sort of advice that you're adjusting people's bodies diets um any any you know um financially right if you want to Have certain things in place. I really look at contracts as an excellent organizational tool. So it's the what if, it's the worst case scenario. We are preempting anything that could possibly go wrong. Obviously, not everything, can't think of everything, but laying out what happens if you're in a partnership and one of you wants to leave. What happens if you buy a membership and then you want to cancel? What happens if you know, you get hurt during this training session. Anything like that is, is very clearly laid out. And that's not to say it's rock solid. You could still have a case, but I mean, it's, it's evidence that you've, you've put it out there and it's always prudent to sit with your client and go through it so they understand it rather than having them blindly sign it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm really passionate about education and I totally get that not everyone can afford a lawyer, but there are certain
0: things that you can certainly do even on your own just to protect yourself initially. Awesome. And so is this better done, you know, before people launch their business or is it okay to do during? At what point in our entrepreneurial journey should we be calling for support, (laughs) right? Because I have never been educated on this necessarily. Like in nutrition school, they touch on like you could get yourself insurance and that, But they never really mentioned what this process would look like. I know. And I'm actually trying to
1: work on that and kind of develop a little bit more education. But, of course, the best case scenario is to do it first. I just met with some girls who have this amazing brand now. And then now they're panicking that they want to protect their name and protect their brand. And they're not incorporated. And it's all okay but it's also not like what if we can't get that name you've already put out there in the world that you're you know working under this name so there are definitely issues and of course I would advise to do it before it's like laying the foundations that being said you don't need to do everything and you can certainly do it as you go I mean I would say the majority of my clients are already (laughs) operating in some capacity or asking me to help with one aspect and kind of we'll we'll revisit something else down the road which is fine there's no you know real requirement but um, obviously the sooner the better so you really set up properly
0: yeah and one thing that I wanted to ask you this is more specific but I know it applies to a lot of the people who listen to this podcast is with cancellation policies and I noticed that you had you know outlined something like that on your website So, for a lot of the people in this community and who listen to this podcast, they're either personal trainers or chiropractic doctors or naturopaths or nutritionists, or they have their own fitness studios. And I find that I get into a lot of conversations with these people and they talk about the fact that they don't enforce their cancellation policies and then they complain to me um that you know oh i had four clients today but then two of them cancelled and i'll always say well did you charge them because your time is so valuable and you are a business like how dare they do that to you like every other session so i was wondering can you explain a little bit about what a cancellation policy is and how you would help someone implement that. I guess I just want to know your take on the whole cancellation policy for wellness entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a huge issue. I've heard it from influencers, from tons of people. You put the block of time aside, the campaign gets pulled, personal training clients don't show, all these kinds of things. So again, it's just a tool to put in your contract that Um, It that whatever your your policy may be that we would come up with together because it's not the same for everyone that if you You know, there's absolutely no refunds or you know, you can reschedule once after that It's being charged just some sort of policy. I have also just drafted one where um, the client takes Authorized like credit cards. So so that you are signing that they are authorized to charge the card you know for every single month or whatever like there's no refund so that's a different kind of Mm -hmm. structure but like you said with these things it's up to you to police that they've signed it you're allowed to then charge for the session a lot of people say well goodwill I want them to come back they're my client this and that but you have to weigh that against you want to work with a client who's consistently you know not valuing your time um Because, you know, and like I said, I think a big part of that with any contract or any human connection is communication. So before you sign them up, you say, okay, Kelsey, these are your sessions. This is the cancellation policy. If you're going to cancel, I need 24 hours notice. You can text me. You can email me. You can call me. Those are the accepted methods of notice, whatever they are. If I don't hear from you, by then you will be charged. You know, and that's mm-hmm. upfront, and so and it, it doesn't have to be complicated. It's, it's not complicated, a, and it yeah. doesn't have
0: to be personal. You know, um, yeah. I guess I would just, I would love to see more people respecting their time and their energy mm-hmm. around this. So I think it's hard to implement. I get it, especially Very. when you're training people who've become friends,
1: mm-hmm. um, and things like that. But at the same time, they need to know that you're running a business. You know what I Definitely. mean? And you can build things in there that. You know, we can reschedule if you let me know within this time frame. You know, it, it's pretty standard practice now. You go to any gym or class. It's just that it's automatic. If you don't show up, you're automatically yeah. billed, right, for the class. Or it's taken off of your account. So you can't really fight back. It's just a given. So why should it be any different when you're a personal trainer? Mm-hmm.
0: But there's definitely no yeah. magic to enforcing it. No. And yeah. it's not easy. It has to be a personal choice that you make for your own business. So... And let's go to something that, again, I think a lot of people listening to this podcast, they're either working with sponsorships, maybe they're a blogger or an influencer, and brands approach them quite often, right? Like every brand wants to work with on-the-ground local influencers. And so when accepting a partnership or being reached out to by a brand... Is there anything that as an influencer or person who is building their own brand, is there anything that we should consider before agreeing to work with a brand? Yeah.
1: Um, So this is a big thing and it really hurts my soul sometimes because I get it. I get being new and being so excited that brand X wants to work with you and this is like major day and this is the coolest thing ever to happen and hey, I'm there. That would be awesome. But you really need to look at the deal. It's a deal, and I once had a guy, great brand, one offered him a deal, and he asked me to review it, which I do, I review contracts. And I just said to him, what do you think? What do you think about this offer? And he laughed, and he's like, I think it's garbage. And I'm like, of course it's garbage, because some of these offers are like, you have to buy this this amount of product at this discount and then you know do a post and then come to the store and then do a dance or whatever and it's crazy I'm like how much do you want that title of you know blah 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 ambassador yeah. So, and if you're okay with that it's your time then cool that's fine you're starting out but I just think really look at the ask and look at the value um, another big piece I think for influencers when they're doing this is just to look at intellectual property depending on what they're doing with the brand and what they're creating that's definitely a big big piece that people don't think about because nine times out of ten the brand is owning whatever you're doing Um, and that can get sticky for sure and then what I've heard is also a big thing for um, influencers or bloggers especially because they're being guaranteed you know certain product by certain date and you know they have a schedule to get the content out at a certain time so again with regard to almost cancellation policies but um like late 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 policies because if they don't get whatever they're promised in time they can't provide the content in time and that pushes their whole schedule back and that becomes a real frustration for them so building in those plans also payment Plans. I know people get really frustrated that they don't get paid on time so when I build or work with an influencer we really cover a lot of those things um, and like I said I like to deal with the frustrations first and kind of tackle those um, but read the contracts people don't even read them you know I know a lot of it is in like legal terms but you can get the gist of it so, I'd say just make sure that you're protecting yourself and also know that this is an offer. You're entitled to go back to them and say, looks great, but I need this. And it may not be money, but it may be something about your intellectual property or something like that. So I would encourage you to you know, own your voice and mm-hmm. speak up and negotiate and see what you can get. Maybe it can be solved and great.
0: Yeah, I think we so often think like we're not able to challenge those types. I've signed them myself before, and I'm just like, okay, it is fine as is. I would, yeah, I would definitely like to go back and just review them and say, what did I actually sign? And could I have asked for something different?
1: And look at the non competes. Who can you not work
0: for? Yeah, I've definitely heard of those. (laughs) You know,
1: you don't realize it, but now you can never eat another the brand of yogurt for the whole year. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever it yep. is. So
0: <laughs> read what you're signing, girl. <laughs> yeah. And uh before we move on just to our last little topic here. So everyone's starting websites like Squarespace, Wix, WordPress, and often we scroll down to the bottom of websites and see things like privacy policy or terms and conditions. What is that, and are we supposed to just make it up or like (laughs) best not to make it up? Yeah, I need your take on that because who's writing these for us if we don't haven't consulted a lawyer? And is that even necessary for if you're launching, you know, a business making like handmade wallets and you've got them online? Are things like terms and conditions and privacy policies necessary? What's your take? So to be honest, I don't know. I haven't reviewed whatever the
1: template ones are on Squarespace Spotify, I don't or think they give
0: you any I haven't
1: seen them. Yeah. So I don't know. I can't speak to whether those are providing full coverage or not. Yeah. But um, yeah, they're certainly necessary, especially if you're taking personal information. So there's laws about privacy. So if you're if you have a newsletter, if you are having people register, sign up for classes, whatever it is, you need to outline how that information is being used that you're not selling it to a third party that you're respecting whatever that privacy is and then the terms and conditions are just same thing laying out how you're how you're using that information and then of course it's important to be aware if you have a newsletter that you're complying with the anti-spam legislation so you have an opt-out people can unsubscribe um and things like that it doesn't have to be signs, you can look at other people's templates definitely, but it is something that if you're taking
0: people's information that you should have on your website. Okay, That's good to know. Yeah, it's just something that I think goes over like we overlook it because it's yeah. on every website and you're like, yeah, and you what scroll even to the, the bottom.. Agree. Um <laughs> yeah, for sure. We all do it. but yeah. it's again, it's
1: just something that is good to have if you especially if you're the type of person who wants to have everything like super by the book um and if you are taking having forms of of any kinds lots of websites don't have it i mean yeah it is but but definitely the anti-spam stuff you should be aware of if you have a newsletter of any kind okay good
0: to know um, and finally i just want to kind of go back to your wellness journey and what I love about you is that you totally embody what you teach and what you've created so you are a runner and uh, I think I read maybe on your blog or somewhere that you used to run solo all the time and then you found a community in Toronto to begin running with and that really changed everything for you and you really fell in love with running with community so can you take us Uh, just through what your running journey used to look like and how you found a community and what it looks like now
1: yeah definitely um so I think I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast I used to dance competitively so I was always active and then I think about in high school I stopped and I just noticed a change not even physically but physically but my mood and everything and my dad was a runner and he kind of introduced me to the sport and said why don't you start running and that's how it kind of happened and then I don't know in university I would just go to the community center gym do classes run spin whatever and I just was always intimidated to be honest by running groups and I wasn't really in the core of downtown Toronto during law school and I was traveling a lot and then I just liked being alone and just kind of meditating in my head almost and running but i was running the same distance the same pace the same route it was so boring <laughs> i would listen to my ipod yeah. or music and that was that and then i just realized when i came back from traveling that i needed to set new goals just to stay motivated until and i didn't know this business was even a thing at that time and i wanted to do a half marathon and i knew i couldn't do the distance alone and that's really how it started i had no real and then i also thought I've been coming from a place of being in hostels, constantly meeting new people. I love my friends and family here, but I just wanted an opportunity to meet people and what better than to meet runners, like-minded people. Um, So I found a running group nearby and honestly within two weeks I was, you know, bonded with some of the pacers, made friends, you start to see them weekly and at first I thought how am I ever going to run without music? I couldn't talk when the, when the girl was trying to talk to me. I was huffing and puffing. And then it was just became something I so looked forward to. And I couldn't believe that I was that girl on a Friday night to say, I have to go to bed because I have an 8 a.m. run tomorrow. But with that, you know, I crushed my first half marathon. I did another one. I've now signed up for a full for Chicago in the fall. Um, I'm, you know, super good friends with these people in and out of running. We... On our own organized runs together I've gotten clients that way you yeah. know inadvertently um, and it's just totally become a tribe and I get it now and I get the you know you just forget about the kilometers and you're with someone else and you're motivating each other and it's just created this whole other outlet this whole other community which is why signing up for this running trip as much as there obviously is an element of fear I've never done it I don't know these people I know that if they're runners they're good people and we have something in common already and I think that's so important whether it's running whether it's painting whether it's whatever your passion or activity is to find a group of people to do that is so key and I mean I'm all about that I've taken a whole bunch of different classes to try and see what really feels authentic and and yeah and I still enjoy my solo run now and then but it's so funny now I can't now it's like rare for me to run alone and much more the norm for me to run with groups but I'm not going to wake up in the winter and run 16 kilometers on my own but I did last week with a bunch of friends and then we all hang out and have coffee and it's like what's better than that so, yeah that's so inspiring and you know it about cycling too I know you're part of yep. a cycling group and we cycle at the same studio yeah and it's so nice to mm-hmm. I think it's all about it finding your fitness buddy now too and all these new apps about working out together and having these kind of
0: productive hangouts yeah and it's great yeah no I I totally uh, agree with everything you just said and I think for people who have not found that yet like it takes time right like you said you had to try a few things whether it was like classes or workshops or you went to this running group or that and then you finally found and then you were probably not even sure in that first run like, well, do I belong here? But if you keep showing up consistently, oh, yeah.
1: mm-hmm. that's
0: where it comes and I feel like you said the same way about my cycling crew, Bikes on Wheels Women. Like, I was so intimidated and I had I've only lived in Toronto for a few years and so you know, the first couple of years I tried, like I did a bunch of different things and I never really found that community that necessarily clicked. And I was waiting for it and I was patient. I knew it would come and then yeah it took trying different clubs and gyms and activities and then you know when I showed up to bikes on wheels it's intimidating as I'm sure you could say showing up your first time to anything oh, it's terrifying. <laughs> you've yeah. maybe seen them online or a friend told you about it and you're like well who am I to show up to that what are they gonna think and to be honest after my first ride I, I felt great and it was amazing but I'm like well I don't know like am I gonna go back And I'm sure that was maybe your thought as well, as much as you're like, I loved that. And my advice to people is like, just keep showing up because then you're going to become that familiar face. And all of a sudden, like you have this community, right? Because you were consistent with it. And I think that's so important with anything that we do is just practicing consistency. But if anyone listening feels like they don't have that community like it can come you just need to be patient 100%. and, and I tried trying. yeah
1: and I tried different running groups too that didn't feel right and you kind yeah. of know but you're absolutely right that I remember that first run and I was so intimidated and going back and going back and even though you you have a couple of friends they're not all your friends and obviously though if you already knew a whole bunch of them it would be easier but then what would you know the fun be and right and it definitely took time but it's I don't know I just think those kinds of things give you life confidence. I think traveling on your own gives mm-hmm. you huge life confidence, trying things. And I always say like, what's the worst that could happen? you know, I'm gonna go for a run. <laughs>
0: yeah, so <laughs> yeah. it's it's so true, but we get stuck in our own heads. so yeah. Okay, so that is it. I so appreciate uh, you sharing your visionary path and hopefully inspiring others to follow you know, whether that is just infusing a little bit of what we've talked about into your day-to-day life, or if you've got something in the pipelines that you want to launch, like just, you know, go for it and take the action. But if our listeners want to find you online or even just connect with you, I know like with social media nowadays, it's so great to just get new relationships going. So where can people find you and anything else you want to leave us on today yeah
1: for sure so would love to connect on any level so if you're interested on my services in a little bit more detail check out the website so www.allegal.com and then on Instagram and Facebook I'm at All Legal A-W-E-L-E-G-A-L and um, and yeah it was so awesome to be here so thanks yeah. for having me and yeah I think conversations like this are just so helpful and necessary and you know it sounds intimidating because there's lots of things you can be doing you know legally speaking but I think if you just contact a lawyer kind of figure out where to start it often I hear from people oh a weight's been lifted you know you feel like you've completed something and done something good for yourself because in the long run you have it may not be the sexiest part of launching your business but it's definitely important so I would urge you to at least inform yourself on Wherever you're at in your career, your business, to find a lawyer who you align with, and just have an honest chat about your
0: goals and your fears, and kind of work from there. And do you work remotely too? I just know that our listeners are not just in Toronto. So say someone was in Vancouver.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I just zoomed with someone recently. Okay, Skype. Yeah, Yeah, of course I do. Which is the nice part about my business. Um, And then if you're in Toronto, often I come to you, so your studio or your business, coffee shop, wherever, and and yeah, and I think there's going to be like a lot more opportunity for panels, education, all that kind of stuff around these topics, so super awesome that you're ahead of the game, and yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you.
0: That's a wrap on this episode with All Legal founder Darielle Teitelbaum. Did you guys learn a lot from Darielle? I hope so. If you want to learn more, she is hosting a series of workshops with Lemon here in Toronto, so definitely watch out for those at the end of February or early March. You can check out her website, All Legal, or find her on Instagram at the same handle. And I hope you'll take time to connect with Darielle and explore her services if it's something you've been looking for. Again, to reiterate, I would love for you to join my Insiders community. Just search Visionary Life when you open your Facebook. We talk about our favorite books, favorite podcasts, tools, tips, and tricks that make our lives easier. And we also talk about the challenges faced as an entrepreneur and really all things visionary. I love to take these podcast discussions offline as well, and that happens inside this group. So if you could open your podcast app of choice, just leave a quick rating, a quick little review for this podcast on iTunes. I actually send a beautiful essential oil blend and visionary love note from me to everyone who leaves a rating and review. So just snap a screenshot and send it to me with your shipping address, and I will happily pop that in the mail. If you think I'm joking, I am not. (laughs) All right. I hope you have an incredibly visionary week and I'll see you next week.